good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're listening to this. This is the Boardroom Podcast. I'm Ward 6 Alderman Ben Piper. I'm my Ward 4 Alderman Chad Wicker. How you doing, Ben? Doing well. I'm, you know, I'm not a big winter guy. I'm not, winter and me just don't mix. I like Christmas <laughs> time, of course, uh, but I don't like being cold one bit you know so you're not you, know, you don't like the the weather the last couple I'm, I'm days not, huh i'm not feeling it man i tell you what i got about you know i got plenty of plenty of coats in my house but i know how to keep warm but i, yeah. I went I, you know went to the hernando soccer game for a little bit last night last night oh man that's that's dedication there it was i mean the parents i, mean, I know um the, some of the parents i sat with had like a gas-fired little mini heater in the bleachers there with them i mean it was it was but the wind chill or something must have been what it was. But it was it was pretty cold out there. Yeah, um, they they got a pretty strong team this year. They do, they do. So. I think I think they're top twenty five nationally or something. Top ten in the state. Uh, really good soccer team out there. A lot of a lot of um, seniors and talented juniors, and they got some young guys that are pretty good pretty good ball players yeah, too. It seems like the soccer team's been really strong the last last five or six years. So yeah, it's just that man. All those all those competitive programs are just. Yeah are uh, really getting these kids ready to play at a high level. So Maybe we ought to invest in a soccer field. I, I mean, at least have some lights on them. <laughs> we need some lights. It's at nighttime. Yeah, actually, actually have a practice. Yeah. Well, uh, what else is going on? You want to get into this meeting? Yeah, yeah, let's jump into it. So we had our first uh, Hernando Board of Aldermen meeting in the month of December. Uh, last night we were recording this early Wednesday morning. Yep. Uh, and uh, Tuesday night at our first meeting for the month of December, uh, touch on some of the high points. I know there's some. Yeah, it was it, for for one of our meetings. It really wasn't. Uh, I think it's only about 20, 20 different things on the agenda. But uh, um, there's a couple a couple homes that I guess needed some cleanup. I know people see those sometimes. Yeah, I think um, I think Austin and the planning department have have done a pretty good job of, of looking at those. And if there is an issue, addressing them and working with the. Um, property owner to get it addressed i think both of those that was on the agenda last night are going to be just demolished i believe at some point so and what we're talking about that you know if you have folks that you know that um you got a, a neighbor or somebody in your neighborhood or maybe you know in a in a house across from your neighborhood or something like that and that hey there's there's kudzu growing all around the house or there's you know weeds that are six feet tall or whatever else there's some public health and safety measures that we can take uh, as a city to address those, but it does take time. It's not just a, you know, go and uh, you got to you have a process of reaching out to the right uh, yeah. the homeowner or the property owner, and sometimes they're not easy to reach. Uh, you know, got to send certified mail and all this kind of stuff. But some of those are being addressed. One of them's up there, uh, kind of across from Winningham Estates up there yeah, on Nesbitt Road. Nesbitt Road and that other one's, one's been, College Street. That um, one's been pretty rough there. And I think what these are, I mean, typically these are someone who's inherited this property. Yep. Uh, for some reason, they don't live there. It's abandoned. It was, you know, Grandma's old house, and and, mm -hmm. and and so it just sits there for years and years and gets to a point of disrepair that it has to be demolished and. Sometimes you got to force the people's hand, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a, a. They're getting cleaned up, which is a good yeah. thing. So. so if they, but if they don't clean it up, I mean, we have the ability to go and clean up ourselves and then charge them. That's right. Uh, uh, charge them a fee for that. Um, outside of that, those two quick things. It looks like the police department uh, had a lot of computer equipment surplus. Some of this is some older stuff they've uh, since got rid of. Um, uh, item uh, we talked about briefly was the uh, we finally advertise advertised for the Andrew Miller. 
uh, Oak Grove and 51 <laughs> Roundabout. Don't do that to He don't want that. So, hand. Uh, anyway, so we will. We finally have got that uh, out for bid. So we should have the bids back. I think about 60 day process. And mm-hmm. uh, my understanding from what the mayor said and, and um, I think uh, mm-hmm. Lee and them last night that uh, they hope to have this done by August 1st. If not, the constructor, the company will uh, receive a penalty. So that usually gets there, gets them going pretty good. Uh, on on the roundabout. The next thing we talked about, uh, Ben, I think we had a little discussion about this, was uh, the mayor and, 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 and the city clerk asked us to borrow $500,000 from the utility fund to uh, the general fund to kind of uh, help with cash flow. Uh, and I think you and I both had some, some questions about that. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, just, just you know, from – so what we normally receive uh, from our city clerk is what's called an ENR, Expense and Revenue Report, and – you know, the private sector, people call them P&Ls or profit and loss statements to kind of give you a financial snapshot of where you're at. And so from what I had seen from the, our most recent E&R is that from last year's budget, we had brought forward about $2.5 million. I may be, I may be remembering that wrong, but that's what, that's what I remember seeing from our most recent E&R, right? That's right, yeah. On top of that, you have sales tax that comes in each month in October and November and December and so on and so forth. And that's pretty much the revenue that you have to balance your expenses. Uh, and so, so somehow along the line, I guess there was a, a bond, pay- is it a bond payment that was? I believe what we, lear- we, we, we learned last night was a 2012 uh, general obligation bond that uh, has an $800,000 payment due, I, I think by the end of the month. Okay. so. Uh, the timing on that is, is interesting because the bond payments are due every six months from what I understand. Yes. Uh, so I'm not really sure how that – seems like there was – it seems like there was an oversight. That was what the – I the, think, I the think mayor, what the, the, the mayor uh, indicated last night, just kind of listening to him and listening to the – I don't um, want to speak for him, but I'm yeah, just but trying to say what he said. Yeah, and, and there's nothing discouraging. I think that he, he, he indicated when he did the budget um, he didn't realize – some of these bond payments we're going to be due um, in the in the in the in the fall time before we get our property taxes, which is mm-hmm. the bulk of our revenue. Uh, and so he's going to take a really hard look at that next year with the uh, yeah the CAO. What's 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 uh, Mr. Our uh, finance director yeah. Ed Espinia. Yeah, Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed, and make sure that we uh, you know take care of this on the front end so we don't because and it, and, it's, and I think it's more of a perception than reality. But I think that when people see that we're borrowing money from one fund to pay. The other, it seems like we don't have our finances in order, and, and I don't think that's the case. I think it's just we simply, like most cities, have a cash flow problem because um, we get all our, our, our revenue in, you know, the months of February and March. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also did something this year that we haven't really done before and do some paving uh, that's in, true. in the fall. So that's that true. probably led to some of this as well. Um, that, was but about, that was about two hundred, two hundred twenty thousand yeah. dollars, give or take. So, and, and, and that, that I had some questions about. It. I just, I don't, I don't think the perception of it that borrowing money is um, doesn't look good. And also, um, I think Ed did indicate that he thinks it's not going to quite be that much. It may be around three hundred thousand by the end of the day. Just depends on how much sales tax uh, comes in. Well, it ultimately, it, it, pa- it the board passed it. Uh, I know you and I were, were not supportive. And, and we have our reasons for that. And, and mine was that I asked when it was going to be paid back, and they said, well, whenever we get the money back in. I said, that's, that's not a, that's not a, a plan. Um, you know, it's, that's, uh, that's like, I just don't, I just 
didn't really see the clarity there, didn't really understand it uh, as much, and that our you know it, it it just didn't didn't make didn't make much financial sense to me. Right. But um, I understand like obviously you have to have money in your account if you got stuff coming out, right? I mean that's the yeah that's, that's a right. that's a basic tenet, but um, you know I, the timing of it just seems unusual to me. But yeah, that's right. So. It is what it is. We we voted yeah. against it, but the majority of the board um, approved it, and so uh, I guess they'll do whatever necessary paperwork to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the one positive about it, I think Andrew Miller, uh, Alderman Miller, mentioned was when we do this, get our money from ourselves. There's no interest or anything. That's right. So it's just a flat money. So it's just moving money from here to there to cover your cash flow. Um, I'm, I'm sure corporations do that all the time. But oh yeah. Uh, again, I think it's just a perception thing. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to the uh, Kimberly Horn. Yep. That they were uh, awarded the um, essentially the design services project for the uh, MOSTF, the Mississippi Outdoor Steward of Trust Fund grant, mm -hmm. um, Renaissance Park, and they're going to go through that uh, plan and, and, and get it together. Yep. So they uh, have worked with us uh, fairly extensively on this grant uh, and, and helping to write it. Uh, with, with some of our city employees and uh, definitely appreciate their partnership. This is going to really start to transform the Renaissance Park area um, and getting getting access to more of that area that, that will be more, you know, drivable. And, and, and just um, so people don't know, I think you know, Ben, that, you know, this is going to uh, basically take the road to the uh, the ditch, not quite, not quite crossing the ditch. Um, mm -hmm. I think we'll have a disc golf course. There's going to be some outdoor space, I believe, a some pavilion, type of I think. Yeah, pavilion amphitheater type. Uh, I think you call it outdoor, you know, recreational space. Um, some, I think, improved trails. Uh, it's already a nice trail out there, but I think they're going to improve the trails a little bit. So, um, we were uh, some of the one of the first ones to receive this type. This is a new thing through the legislature. They passed a couple years ago. I think uh, Representative uh, Kincaid, who represents uh, Marshall County uh, and a little bit of the uh, eastern part of Desoto County, is the chairman of that committee, and I think he was uh, responsible for us. Uh, Getting, getting these funds. So. I want to. I want to say from uh, from what I remember, that fund is only about ten or fifteen million dollars. Yeah. Annually, yeah. and so yeah. the, the city getting, you know, one point seven of it is a is a pretty big pretty big haul for us. Uh, I know we have to match a portion of that. Yeah, and, um, and I think it's no secret that you know our, our long term goal is to connect that road to Robinson Gin. Uh, 251 to give another access point uh, from the baseball fields complex and tie this all together. So this is uh, we're going to use these funds to get to the creek and then uh, with uh, something we're going to talk about in just a second on the geo bond uh, for the parks, get it get it essentially across right uh, to, to 51 or really close. So and that really needs it, it, that'll help open up just everything. I mean you'll when that's done if whether we're using old ball fields, new ball fields, whatever it is. It'll just really it'll help with traffic. You know, when you have the Fourth of July, we got the fireworks out there with. Um, That's right. You know, all those events. It's going to help with just getting in and out of that place, uh, a lot a lot easier. Um, but yeah, that, that's something that's got to be done at some point. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. I'm going to skip sixteen seventeen. Is is kind of I think there's been some some talk on social media about. And I know some people reached out to me about had some questions about. Um, we approved a plan to spend the, the or allocate the $7.5 million recreational improvement general obligation bond that we took out a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and so the plan um, uh, was put out last night. I, I posted it to my uh, Facebook page. 
I'll post it to the boardroom Facebook page. You put I, the memo out there? Yeah, the one that okay. Andrew that uh, I, I'll pull it up real quick if you want me to. That's what I was going. I was going to uh, get it get it pulled up as well, just to to run through it real quick with what. So, but first first thing I want to talk about is is I know there's been some some people who oppose for whatever reason they oppose improving our our park facilities. They think it's a waste of money or uh, or whatever. Uh, that uh, that we weren't transparent about this, taking out money. Uh, that that's simply not true. We had uh, been how many three or four public hearings. Uh, about a general general obligation bond, um, and we I mean again with the meeting last night, no no one showed up in opposition. But one one gentleman one gentleman who um, came okay. before the meeting said he couldn't be there. I did listen to him. Uh, okay. I don't necessarily agree with him, but he he uh, basically was and and you know, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, I I know him well. Uh, he mentioned that he was upset that we were borrowing money to uh, improve the baseball complex and soccer's. And when he, we, we haven't ran sewer to his to his property, I think he lives on the Getwell area. Over and there. I and honestly, I I understand that frustration. I I agree with him it just in principle, right? Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with him in principle right. that the the areas that we've annexed need to have sewer extended to them. Um, I certainly advocated for and pushed for more sewer projects to the annexed areas um, when we had ARPA funding to to do that and was able to get some of that done, but not all of it. Yeah. Uh, so you certainly try to try to get that done. We, I've, I've advocated, you know, personally for, you know, using a, using a revenue related bond uh, from the utility fund to extend water and sewer to some of these areas, specifically the Getwell corridor, because that's gonna be developed at some point. But I think that the opposing view of it is that that's gonna be developed out by commercial developers at some yes, point or yeah. by residential developers. And when they do it, have have them foot more of the bill for it rather than the taxpayers. And, and, and he mentioned this, and, and I, I think you know this too, Ben, is that when we do annex area, we're supposed to provide them services in a period of time, a reasonable period of time, but there is a clause that says, uh, I think it's ex- accidental circumstances or whatever, because mm-hmm. I think he's essentially the only person who lives on that side of Getwell, I believe, this gentleman. There's um, not, ma- there's not yeah, many on so that side of the road. Anyway, he certainly uh, understands his point, and, I, and I, I do understand that. I think we can do both. I think we can accomplish both. We can get mm-hmm. work to get him the sewer services and improve our baseball field. But mm-hmm. to get back I to agree. what I was saying, the, the transparency thing, I, we have been nothing but transparent. We post every agenda on our Facebook page. Uh, we have a podcast every two weeks uh, talking about the agenda. Um, so for somebody to make the argument that we're not transparent, that, that's that's really ridiculous. Well, and and – you know, too, I think that this, uh, the past two years, we've had priorities for different budgets, different years. You know, I think that we have, we, we have prioritized public safety for a couple, sure. a couple budgets straight, adding police, adding firefighters, adding, adding medics, adding ambulance, you know, some of those things that all cost money, adding school resource officers. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, you know, developed. Uh, we've given pay raises we've, to, to people, get our pay back in line. We've, we've um, developed a, a, a paving plan that's much more sure. aggressive than in the past. That stuff sure. costs money. And now that the focus has turned a little bit more towards, you know, having park facilities that are, you know, one, ADA compliant, which right. is a huge, yeah. is, is a huge liability. I'll that, be honest, we have facilities when, uh, that aren't ADA compliant. When he mentioned that last night, I didn't even think about the baseball fields not being ADA, ADA compliant anymore. The, you know, even the soccer field, the soccer yeah, complex yeah. was developed and is not ADA. There's just, there's, there's safety issues out there. We've got to get safe facilities for our kids. Um, and it costs money. Uh, we do have, so 
within that 7.5, here's what we're looking at. Four baseball, softball fields with associated sports lighting, uh, you know, 185, 200, and 250 foot center field size fields, um, a restroom and concession building, um, asphalt parking, an access road uh, with curb gutter sidewalks, and uh, all of that, all in on that one's a, their estimated cost is uh, over six million dollars, six point five million to be exact, uh, is what they're what they're estimating. May come in and, and above or below. Yeah, we don't know. And a big portion of that, I think, over a million dollars, of that is going to be that access road. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, from Robinson Gen to the proposed parking ball field it, area. It's close to two tenths of a mile, so yeah. it, it is a it is a, a big expense there. And then we have a soccer complex improvements, lighting for the Hernando Soccer Complex, uh, which has been that's actually already been bid out and awarded. To the uh, to path lighting yeah. and then they're bidding it out we're, to their subs. We're hoping we can have that done by the by the by the spring. So it's been yeah, if not if not late definitely the late, fall spring, season. late spring, um, definitely for the uh, summertime when they have those three v three tournaments. You could do one, you know, more more in the cooler times of the yeah. the evening during the summertime potentially. Um, parking lot lights, uh, lights for one pad, which is the DeSoto Family Dinner Dental Care Field. Um, if you're familiar with that from going out there. And you know anybody that hasn't been out to the soccer complex, we've been we've spent you know probably half a million dollars on improving that improving that complex in the yeah, last couple we, of years. We, we with paved it, you know, paving, the, 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 curb and gutter work. Yeah, the um, the fields look great. I think I think mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of that internal now. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then the, the last thing on there, Ben, is is we're going to do some improvements to the existing fields. And um, I encourage people to go back and listen to the meeting last night when when um, Jer- Mr. Jared talked about. Uh, the, the removing the lips on the eight ball fields and and, and, and that process that's going to be about sixty five thousand dollars but we're going to remove the lips on all eight of the, the old ball fields uh tie the removing loop uh area back into the outfield and skin the area so basically you're going to skin that outfield area where it's developed a lip and it's kind of dangerous um so that, that that's 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 how quick seven million dollars goes uh, when you start making improvements mm-hmm. like this um there's dirt work that has to be done there's engineering there's mm-hmm. A lot of concrete. There's a lot of asphalt. Uh, lighting is obviously expensive. I think just the lighting for soccer is seven hundred thousand dollars. So again, baseball, you got four fields that you have to light. Um, there are issues within the Civic Center ball fields from a standpoint of how close the fields are together. Um, that foul balls can enter the field of play um, from one field to another. Um, that it's just it's just not. You know, there's just some glaring issues out there. There's drainage issues um, that need to be addressed. So, for now, the best way forward, and the and the for the quickest way forward to have safe playing surfaces is to have four new uh, baseball softball fields to get yeah, yeah. to get things improved upon. Yeah, we we developed that master plan, and we're going to follow the master plan. Um, not not as aggressively we wanted to, um, but we're, we're this is a basically the first. I think is the way I've been describing this is kind of half of the first phase that we initially mm-hmm. planned. Um, so uh, I know there was some comment that the the referendum we held last year for the penny for the parks demonstrated that the residents didn't want any improvements to the park facilities, and I don't I don't agree with that. I think I think this the the from what I read from that uh, is that the uh, citizens didn't want us to uh, use the revenue. From tax, uh, from restaurant tax, they want us to work within our budget, and that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's the rumors going around that we're this is because we took a bond out, it's going to increase property taxes and stuff. Um, they wouldn't let us take a bond out if we couldn't afford it, just like a bank. That's so, right. 
uh, we, we'll be able to work within our means to, to move towards this process and uh, hopefully have some nice areas out there in the next 18 months or so with the baseball field. There's the soccer field, you'll see that right away. In the, in the um, baseball complex, you'll see that, uh, the, the existing complex, he'll, he'll have that done by the spring. So. Well, and then, so, and then the timing on all this, so when people say, well, all right, so we got new fields coming, when's that going to be? I talked with um, some of the folks at Kimley Horn this morning. At the earliest, at the earliest, you're talking fall ball 2020, 2025. Yeah. Okay. If we can get construction going by fall 2024. So basically construction will take a, a year, more or less. So the goal, I think that would be a good goal potentially for the city and the and the citizens to have in mind um, as we're moving forward. So, um, so it, it isn't something that happens overnight. It has to be engineered. It has to be designed and and uh, bid out. And we have to make sure that we're being you know good stewards of these dollars because they are um, a, a significant financial investment for the city um, and for uh, you know for the kids of this community. Sure. Uh, I think we we addressed that pretty good. Uh, the last yep. thing you want to talk about this railroad ordinance. Um, I think you had mentioned something yeah. about this. I think this has been going around town a little bit. Um, uh, what are we going to do if we actually get something going with this? Are we going to have to change our our lead-in song? I, I think are we, we going to fix the waiting <laughs> on a train problem? <laughs> may not have to worry about the train. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not. I I've looked at some things myself, and of course I'm I'm not an attorney. I, I just don't think there's a lot of teeth with the, with the railroad that we can enforce, but uh, we'll see where we're going to... Uh, Essentially, looking at this, I mean, everybody knows you have to wait on a train sometimes in Hernando. You get stuck for 20, 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. I've heard people say they have to wait an hour, um, and people are concerned about the emergency services. They're concerned about, you know, just the general flow of business within the city uh, when, the, when these train stoppages happen. So, um, you know, we had our attorney, you know, kind of surface level look into this and we're we're approving him to look deeper into it to say is there a local ordinance that we can pass that would say, that would restrict the hours of operation uh for when loading and unloading can occur uh for the uh you know for the for the railroad companies um i think that the answer that's been given in the past a lot of times is well the federal government regulates the railways well the federal government regulates highway 51 and the yeah, interstates and all right. this kind of stuff but you can still, locally, you can still restrict the hours of operation for inbound and outbound deliveries for 18-wheelers. Yeah. So this is somewhat, that's kind of the similar analogy, I think, that I would, I would potentially put on that, um, you know, for, you know, for, lo for local business. Now, I don't think anybody wants to affect local business. Oliver no, Miller no, mentioned that point. No. We, don't, we don't want to hurt local business in any way. But the, being able to get around your city and one of the main arteries of our city is Commerce Street. Yeah, when when that train comes through, it, it it's very uh, cumbersome to the traffic. I mean, it's it's just um, you know I work over behind the uh, at the jail location there, and when it comes down, you're stuck. Uh, you can't get anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. You have to go all the way basically down to Vinson uh, mm -hmm. to come back up, and so it's 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 uh, it's tough. Uh, but uh, I use I use I try to I honestly try to use the back roads to get to wherever I'm going. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I, I know that uh, the previous mayor, I mean, I've, uh, I think maybe our current mayor, have reached out to the railroad uh, company that owns the railroad, I believe it's Grenada mm -hmm. Railways or whatever, mm -hmm. and they, they're just reluctant to, to help us. If the train would come by at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, not 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, that, I think that resolves all our issues. But Honestly, if it was yeah. 8 o'clock. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how many of y'all get out after seven o'clock at night in Hernando, yeah. Yeah. but it, the town's pretty much shut down by That's eight, right. eight thirty yeah. at night. Until, you know, like on a school day, not till about six thirty seven is really traffic picks back up. So, mm -hmm. but you know, I, they, I'm sure they have reasons why they do that. I'm sure it may not fit into their business model or whatever. So, um, anyway. We'll just have to see what what comes from it. We got to get we got to hear more from our attorney on that, uh, with the possibility of a local ordinance to to help with yeah. the train situation. And it, you know, it it may be something where the ordinance gets put into place and people don't see an immediate improvement or they yeah. see no improvement at all. But we certainly want to uh, we certainly want to investigate into it because yeah. it is one of those things that is a concern. Yeah. All right. Well, that that really covers our meeting. Um, ben, you want to talk about our guests we got on uh, tonight or today? We got our guest speaker coming on here just recently elected yeah. state representative rodney hall uh, right. so he uh, represents a uh, portion of DeSoto county but not necessarily a lot of hernando no um but uh, we wanted to bring him on uh hear about some of his legislative thoughts uh for his first session that's going to be coming up this spring yeah let's bring on representative rodney hall all right, Chad, we are bringing in Rodney Hall, representative-elect here in DeSoto County. District 20, I believe, is that right? That is correct, yeah. District 20. Which yeah. is, I think, Greenbrook area, is that in the kind of north? It does. So if you look at the uh, the left-hand left side is uh, Highway 51, Colonial Hills. Of course, State Line Road is the northern boundary. Uh, and then the, the east is uh, Highway 78 over in Olive Branch West. And down the south is uh, Rasco until you get over towards the Olive Branch side. You had a lot of houses and doors knock on. Yeah, you? sure did. Sure did. <laughs> had a lot of people living that I area. I tried to right hit there. them all. <laughs> That's a lot of people there. If I didn't make it, I'll, I'll be coming back around. <laughs> so, uh, Rodney, you want to tell us a little about yourself? You know, we, we are kind of, I guess, a Hernando-centered podcast. We're both Ottoman, but um, you know, we, we I think it's important that we were able to get some some new leadership in our uh, uh, House and Senate let uh, legislature. Legislator, and so. Um, we, we plan to bring everybody on at, at one point, so you're, you're the first one. So uh, do you want to kind of talk about yourself, your, your background, and then maybe some of the stuff you want to achieve while you're in there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one one thing that I really, man, it just warms my heart. It gives me so much uh, uh, eagerness and optimism uh, as we get ready to shape down for the legislative session is uh, the work that our cities and our county has done uh, for the past few years. I mean, uh DeSoto County is such a close-knit county. When you look at our cities, South Haven, Olive Branch, Horn Lake, of course, Hernando, and, you know, all mm -hmm. of our all of our cities work so well together. And so I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. Now, for me personally, you know, I'm from uh, South Haven over in the West End, the old South Haven, the original mm -hmm. South Haven. Mm -hmm. OG, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I live over in, uh, in Carriage Hills, raising my family where, where I was raised. Uh, and then, of course, I have uh, Olive Branch uh, West as well. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm extremely encouraged with the group that we have uh, shaping up to go down into Jackson and also being able to work with our local leaders here uh, that are going to continue to address the issues on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Do you have any, Rodney, do you have any priorities uh, that you're looking at? Yeah, you know, uh, what I have really tried to do, uh, especially since the uh, – the primary in August, you know, I had a lot of time between August and January with not having a, a, a general opponent. And so what my number one objective has been is to become a domain expert in all things DeSoto County. And so I have placed the emphasis on not only understanding and seeing all of DeSoto County, but seeing where the issues are and then start 
to look for the opportunities that can be addressed uh, in the interim. And so I have talked with leaders all across uh, our county as far as committees and projects that uh, are required and that need some redressability. Of course, I-55 is a big one. Uh, the water system over for Horn Lake and South Haven is a big one. Uh, the Really the growing pains, right, uh, from all the growth that we have. Uh, of course, crime is, you know, we have a, a neighbor that isn't doing so well just north of us. I share a border with them, uh, with sure. Shelby County. And so <laughs> I want to make sure that our communities continue to, uh, you know, grow and thrive. But, you know, we have to be safe. We have to be smart about it and continue to set the conditions for that easy transition and that growth and economic wealth. I think one of the things that uh, people have heard that, that follow state politics closely is that Mississippi's in a better place economically mm -hmm. than it has been in a long time. There's, you know, surpluses, which is a, a, a rare word that you ever hear. But, you know, how do you think the state can put that to work in a way uh, for, for taxpayers individually? Not, mm -hmm. not so much in projects, you yep. know, but, uh, you know, is there, is there some way that people can feel individual impacts to that that you, that you would be behind, I guess? Yeah, well, I can tell you one is a, a very easy one, and it, it probably affects us more than it does – uh, anybody else in the state because of our our, our neighbor to the north, but it's uh, the income tax. Mm -hmm. uh, our income taxes should be cut. Yeah. Uh, it's that simple. Uh, I do think that uh, families better know how to spend their money than the federal government does. And when we have the ability to do it, and I, I think, uh, you know, I haven't looked at all the numbers, but uh, I think that we're probably in that position to where we need to start looking at cutting the income tax because – you know, with that said, you know, and a lot of people like to uh, take a, a single-handed approach. Like, well, you cut the income taxes, we're going to lose this much. Uh, but what will we gain from it? That's the question that's not being asked. And when you look at our neighbors to the north, uh, I know uh, just from my time working on the Hill with Congressman Kelly, uh, there are businesses, there are business owners, there are homeowners that will happily, happily leave Shelby County, Memphis, Tennessee, and come down to uh, DeSoto County. And with that comes a larger tax base uh, with more economic opportunities uh, for our citizens here. And so I think we need to take a nuanced approach and make sure that uh, uh, when we cut the state income tax, which I think is doable, uh, that we're also putting into the equation who is coming and how much does that help add to the coffers that we already have. Let's talk about job creation, economic development. That's, I know you mentioned because uh, I fifty five is a big part of that mm -hmm. and widening that, but put that to the side. But um, as far as economic development for DeSoto County, we're we're we have good problems, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah. the way Chad and I think of, think about it is that people want to you know locate to DeSoto oh, yeah. County. So does that put us? Do you feel like that puts us in a position where you know we've got more? kind of chips to play with right a little bit more hey you're you're close to the fedex hub mm -hmm. you're close to this we've got a workforce all these things uh so when 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 we are at the table when we're at the negotiation table with a business wanting to come in we've got a lot more to sell oh than yeah. a lot of other parts of the state yeah and you know one of the biggest uh hurdles that companies look at uh is workforce mm -hmm. do they have do we have enough bodies uh with the right background and the capability to uh, support this business and while the delta has that problem and other parts of the state of mississippi has that problem we don't uh, we simply have a ton of talented people we have a ton of talented uh, folks that are able to field workforce needs 
And so that does make us a major player, and it does give us uh, a bigger uh, say when we're competing for jobs and workforce development projects and stuff like that for our economy. So talk about your background a little bit. I know that you've you've gone door to door. You've probably given this you know thirty to sixty second <laughs> spiel to people thousands of times now. But but for the for for our listeners who who don't know you as well, what's you know your background other than just you know growing up in the South Haven area? What yeah. and what do you do now and that, that kind of thing? Well, I I'm a Christian. I'm okay. proud to be a Christian. Um, I think that it is important for our communities uh, that we have faith uh, in our communities. Uh, and I'm also a soldier. Uh, I will tell anybody, and I'm, I'm sure thousands of people have heard this already, you know, I, I've been a soldier my entire life. Uh, I joined uh, when I was 17 years old. My dad, he was my recruiter. Uh, my daddy was a soldier. He went to Desert Storm. My grandfather was a soldier. He went to Vietnam. Uh, I come from a patriotic family, and I'm a patriot, and I'm very proud of that. And I think it's important that we bring service uh, back into our communities as well. Uh, and, you know, those are two things that I really lean on. Uh, when I start looking at the issues that need to be addressed in Mississippi. Uh, I'm also an attorney, and so I, I do feel that it's important that uh, we take nuanced approaches towards the issues that we have. And, you know, all those things that kind of make up your, your character, your person, your DNA, I think is important uh, when you start looking at the issues of tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, I'd vote for you. I mean, that was pretty good. That's way better than what I normally say. So, that's so, so Rodney, so I don't, I don't know how the House does. I know y'all think y'all, I read somewhere y'all had a caucus meeting or something recently. Do you have any idea what committees you're going to be on or have you made those assignments or? No, no, I, we haven't had that uh, conversation yet. Of course, uh, every legislature will go down there and, and we get a wish list uh, that we put together. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen sometime in December or uh, at the very start of the session in January. Uh, what one thing I would like to see is that you know us as a delegation, since we have so many folks going in, mm -hmm. and you know we have some good members that are, are going down there. I want us to kind of get together and see if we can uh, provide enough coverage kind of across the chamber, sure. uh, because we all bring different talents and we all have different experiences. Uh, and so if we can get together and try to you know uh, say maybe this is a good fit for you, this is your passion, this is good for Desoto County, uh, try to lay out the field so we have good coverage across the chamber um we we had i think senator sparks on and he he was mentioning maybe campaign finance would be a big issue do you have any position on that or no no you know i my first delving into campaign finances of course as a candidate and when i started looking up the rules i was like man there's not a lot of rules <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know I'm, I'm very curious to see uh i haven't looked at what other states do of course i know what the federal government does haven't worked on the Hill, and so I'm looking to see, uh, you know, what other states are doing, what's successful, what hasn't been successful. I think just my, this is my personal opinion. I think there needs to be, needs to be more teeth in, into the legis legislation. There's not, I think it's not clear who is supposed to enforce financial yeah. uh, uh, rules, and so I think that's something maybe maybe y'all could look at. That's just my yeah, advice. And, <laughs> you know, uh, it definitely is something that uh, needs to be looked at. You know, I look at just the – take the governor's race yeah. uh, most recently. There was so much money out mm -hmm. money. in yeah. mm -hmm. to that race. I mean, uh, it just blows my mind. Uh, and a lot of it was actually most of it was outside money uh, coming on, you know, Brandon Presley's side. And mm -hmm. so uh, that that has effects. That has mm -hmm. effects on uh, your election. Of course, elections have consequences. So it has effects on your communities. And so, yeah, it needs to be looked at. And I can tell you from, you know, and I've, 
told my story a little bit in the past. My home state is Georgia, and I would have never imagined that both of our U.S. senators are, were from the Democratic Party. Yeah. But it's because don't I don't you know don't wait for a second now. It's because outside money yeah. came into that state and supported Democratic candidates. Because if you would have told me. Herschel Walker is going to run as a Republican <laughs> yeah. and not win a, a, an election yeah. in the state of Georgia. I yeah. would have told you you were nuts. Yeah. But it's because outside money comes in and certainly True. influences things. So we're, we're not immune to it here in Mississippi. I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent point. But talk a little bit about we talked we talked about some positions and that sort of thing. And you, you talked about your call to service. You, mm-hmm. could, you, you know, and, and you have a life of service for sure. You actually campaign and then you end up winning. And I think you know for myself and, and possibly for Chad too. One. Yeah, the feeling you're excited, you know, that sort of thing because you've worked and you accomplished something. But then there's also this immediate feeling of a higher responsibility. <laughs> uh, can you talk about that some and just just sort of this, uh, how surreal it, uh, it is to kind of go through this process? Yeah. You know, again, I was uh, very blessed uh, to have a great mentor uh, and former boss in Congressman Trent Kelly. And so having served up under him for the past a uh, few years, uh, you really get to, one, I already was working on problems, Mississippi problems, and looking for solutions to Mississippi problems. Uh, but then also to see uh, the ability that you have, right, the, the, the ability to really make a change in a community, in a county, in a state, uh, with good policies, good legislation. Uh, and so when I won in August 8th was – uh, a great night. August 9th, uh, I woke up uh, with a little bit of a headache, but uh, woke up <laughs> nevertheless and uh, was able to really start getting after it. And a lot of it is a spillover of the issues that I saw when I was on the Hill, uh, but then also the stuff that uh, I gathered from knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. And what I did was, and I'm a, I'm a big I'm a numbers guy. I take a lot of notes. Uh, I was taught that in the Army. Uh, and I took notes of every conversation that I had and the issues that uh, people felt that were affecting them the most. And so I, right now I have an enumerated list of things that I want to address uh, when we get down to the legislature as soon as possible. And so, you know, that that's kind of the, bless, the blessing piece of it, right? You know, I, I kind of already – I'm not walking in there completely blind. Uh, I'm not walking in there uh, not fully knowing what to expect. There will be changes. There will be differences. Uh, between the federal legislature and the state legislature, and I understand I will still be drinking from a, a fire hose. There is a sure. there's a learning curve, but yeah. to have that kind of that, you know, just a, a little step ahead, uh, having worked in public policy for some time, I'm very encouraged about it moving forward. When you think back to your time with uh, with Congressman Kelly, and just you know the, a congressional staffer, I mean, you're working 18, 20 hours a day. You oh, don't yeah. you don't sleep a whole lot. There's a lot of a lot, you know, what's one of your favorite stories, I guess, from that time? It could be funny. It could be serious. Yeah. You know, uh, what's one of your favorite stories from that time? Yeah, you know, leadership matters. And politicians get a very bad rap, uh, a lot of it because of what you see on TV. And then, you know, of course, the personal attacks and the attack ads, they don't help. Uh, but when you find someone that has uh, true leadership and earnestness, uh, for their state, for their people, for where they come from, uh, that's very refreshing. And, you know, one of my fondest memories of working on the Hill is uh, – uh, I'm trying to make sure I share this or not. But, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, we would take we would take a vote, and, and I was Congressman Kelly's legislative director, and so I would help with the vote recs. I would do all the research. 
uh, with the rest of my team and we'll, you know, go through all the bills, find out if there are any issues with it. Is it good? Should it support? Should, should we support it? Uh, does it help Mississippi? And we would give him the vote, Rex. He'll go down and he'll go and uh, he'll go vote. And then afterwards, you know, work is essentially over, right? The votes are done. Everybody's going home. And the congressman, he will sit there and we'll just sit there and we'll, we'll chat. Mm-hmm. And we'll just sit there mm-hmm. for hours sometimes and just kind of talking. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not serious. Sometimes it's about uh, football. And sometimes it's about, you know, what issues are uh, need to be addressed moving forward for Mississippi. And, you know, that when you find someone like that, a, a leader who cares that much uh, to invest his time, not just in developing his people, but then also making sure that we're all on the same page for uh, our community. I think that was just like, I was like, wow, I just hadn't seen that from a public figure before. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's interesting to hear that because it's, um, you know, one, I think I've, I've had the pleasure of sitting down with, with Congressman Kelly and it was at, you know, Coleman's barbecue back in the day. Right. <laughs> so, and just sitting one-on-one over like a sausage biscuit yeah. and it's just like, he could be just anybody that lives in Hernando. Yeah. You know, he's, he's very, very personable um, and, and is very down to earth as far as that goes. And I think, you know, to your point, the media kind of builds up these folks to be mm-hmm. like, they're untouchable. You can't ask them any questions. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're totally out of right, touch with yeah. what's going on. Yeah. But when you really, when it really comes down to it, I mean, they, you know, they're here for the people. And, you know, that's one thing that I want to bring uh, forward uh, from just my experiences working with him as a mentor is I want people to feel uh, that they can reach me and that uh, they can always hold me accountable. I, Mm-hmm. So many people uh, put politicians up uh, on a pedestal, and I think the, the pyramid should be re- reversed. I mean, you're a sure. public servant. You work for the people. That's right. Uh, you serve the people, and you shouldn't be above the people. You should be below them, helping them with the needs and uh, things in the community. And so one goal that I have is, is really outreach, outreach to the voters, outreach to our communities, and ensuring that they're understanding that I want their voice in my head when I'm going down there to Jackson. Uh, I'm there to serve them. I'm not there to serve myself. I'm, and even though I'm working on problems for Mississippi, DeSoto County is always first. And so I want to make sure that DeSoto Countyans know that they can reach me and that they have a voice in the Capitol. We're sitting here with Representative-elect Rodney Hall, a Republican from uh, DeSoto County, um, South Haven uh, right. South Haven guy, born and bred, I guess, and, uh, and raised up there, and now uh, going down to Jackson to represent the DeSoto County delegation. Uh, Rodney, Chad, do you have else? any kids? I do. Uh, how, how's your kids going to take it with you being gone quite a bit? <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I tell, uh, I kept the same uh, schedule uh, as the congressman. So I would fly yeah. up during when we had votes in session, then I would fly back home on the weekend and, of course, stay down in DeSoto County when yeah. we were on a district work week. And so my, my commute hasn't changed at all. It's just a different mode of travel. It's three you. hours up there. Yeah. Now it's three hours down to Jackson. <laughs> so they're used to it, I see. They are. And then, of course, uh, you know, I got a couple of deployments under my belt, always uh, I got you. active duty. So this is probably a change of pace is a little bit slower than what I'm used to, uh, which is nice because I don't have yeah. to hop on a flight, leave Mississippi every, every week. Well, yeah, you have any closing thoughts, any uh yeah, we certainly appreciate your time. You know, there's only so many hours in the day, so appreciate you sitting down with us and sharing kind of some <laughs> what some of those priorities are. And hopefully, you, we we can uh, have you back in uh, during the summertime once the first legislative session is, uh, has concluded, and you can tell us about how uh, how it is for a, a freshman uh, <laughs> representative yeah. to come in and we want our exit fix. We things. want our exit fix, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, one thing that I have uh, you know I campaigned on 
that's something that's really in my heart and something that I continue to try to push the needle on is the, the outreach piece and, and finding the issues where they are. I understand uh, that just because I won an election does not make me the smartest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, or does it mean that I have all the solutions to all of our, our problems? That comes through the partnerships with the leaderships we have at the, the lo local level, but then also with the citizens. And one thing that just kind of blew my mind is that there was no system uh, in order to reach out to your voters, your constituents, uh, to find their problems, catalog it, and then start to uh, work on those issues. And so I recently launched a website, rodneyhall.ms, uh, focus purely on DeSoto County and finding the issues down at the, the community level, the state, mm -hmm. the, the street level, I mean the school level, uh, the household level, uh, so that stuff can matriculate up, and so we can find uh, redressability for it. Uh, that is the number one job of a public servant, in my opinion, is to serve the people, and that is what I'm trying to set the conditions for, is that DeSoto County is always first, and that we have a, a larger say at the table, uh, but then we're also addressing the problems uh, at bay for today and for tomorrow. Excellent, excellent, good stuff. Well, we Thank you. certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, this is uh, Representative Le Rodney Hall representing DeSoto County down in Jackson uh, for the next four years. You know, uh, truly a life of service, a servant-hearted uh, leader uh, that will be representing us down there. So we appreciate his time. Chad, what else we got? I think that's it, man. All right, we're gonna have hopefully one more episode before Christmas, maybe. One, one more, yeah. If we can. If you, if you can fit it in, you're the one that's always busy. I know. I, I got a lot I, of time on my hands lately. <laughs> I don't. Well, I, I'll try to I'll try to squeeze it in between a round of golf and trying to make a sales call somewhere around here. We'll make it happen one way or another. But for now, I'm Ben Piper. Chad, Chad Wicker, Wicker. <laughs> this is a boardroom podcast. We'll we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>